it's good to have your world shook up. Amen. And I just, I just believe one of the things that you could see over there and you learn in the Holocaust Museum is uh, the power of media that before any rock was thrown, any Jew was arrested or killed. There was years of just using the radio and paper to start brainwashing the younger generation. And in the early 30s, they started getting school books and started brainwashing the younger generation so that later on, children eight years old were already being prepared for the military and there was already a hate and there was a seared conscience to where it was inhumane the way they acted because of the media. And I'm just praying, I want you to believe with me, that we've got to get more involved in the media, on radio, on TV. We've got to get the message that we believe and we preach out for the world to hear the gospel, the truth. Because it's by truth and mercy the sins and iniquities are purged. And, and we've got some more purging to do in this area. But if we could get organized like the Nazi regime, the, fir the, the First Right and all these others, if we could get organized and if we could get totally sold out for that purpose and for Christ the way they were for Hitler, boy, what the church could do if we would sell out for the cornerstone Jesus Christ. And I want you to look with me, and I, I won't keep you long, I promise, because I'm not even going to preach the message I was going to, because after church, I went into the office, Luke chapter 10. I went into the office and... Brother Ray was in there and I just went in and turned to worship because I felt the Holy Spirit was drawing me. And he reminded me, someone a while back, I get some of these, but somebody blessed me with this journal. And he says, I want you to start this journal, a journal in this book today. So I grabbed it and then he says, now I want to talk to you. And so I'm going to share with you what he shared with me this morning. In Luke chapter 10, isn't it awesome to serve a God who's real? Luke chapter ten, 9. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 9. So this is fresh. I haven't even got to study it or mess it up. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly, a man from the multitude, or some translation says, a man in the crowd cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you or I beg you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him. And he suddenly cries out and it convulses him to that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast him out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And it says in verse 43, they were all amazed at the majesty of God. I love the message translation that says, they all shook their heads in wonder, astonished at God's greatness, God's majestic Greatness. And what I want to share with you, what I felt the Spirit was talking to me about, how many of you know we are pleading and we are seeking the majestic presence of God in the church? 
We want this to be his totem. I said, I want this to be your domain. I want you to have total dominion in this church. We want to see fathers and mothers as we're seeing the next Sunday morning as you see this child. And Sister Geraldine told me that she hasn't had any pain. We pray for her and the pain left and she's been totally healed. And as you know, the miracles and signs and wonders. But I'm believing God and I want you to believe with me that people will come in here. And they will not praise a man or the name of a church. What I want them to do is to praise the majestic power of Almighty God. That's what we live and move and have our being for. We want to see the majestic power of God. But as I was seeking this, he started showing me, and I, I want to share this with you, but I want the intercessors also to join in. I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. Join in so as we're praying for this and I ask you to pray with this for me because the three things that stuck out to me was Jesus said, you faithless, perverse generation. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord says, because of a spirit of faithlessness and because of a spirit of perversion, we are not able to cast out the unclean spirit. And that God wants to wake up a purity to overcome the perversion and a faith and a confidence to overcome the faithlessness so that we are able to handle the unclean spirit. Amen. Now, you can hold your place there, but I want to go to Genesis. And I want to show you something here. It goes along with what Jake said. In Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Now, when you start dealing with purity and holiness, when you start dealing to where I have a dream that God is going to be magnified in this place because the spirit of holiness and purity is going to prepare a way for God's precious river to come through here and save lives and touch lives and purify lives and do signs and wonders in our midst. How many of you know there are going to be feathers ruffled? Not everyone in the crowd is going to want to agree or sacrifice to go into the area where God is asking us to sacrifice. Not everyone is going to want to be in unison or not everyone's going to want to be in unity when it comes to the point to where, you know what, are you trying to, you, you sound awfully like legalism to me. Well, or you sound like bondage to me. Well, it's like we heard this young man preaching this afternoon on TV and he was saying, what you call bondage and what we saw at the Korean veterans wall was it said, freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. And Christ paid to set us free. But we are not free to go again and subject unto bondage or sin. And somebody says, well, you know, you talk about, you know, it's not right to live together or it's not right to, to drink or it's not right to do this. It sounds like you're being awful, li awful liberal there. You're, you're trying to put rules and regulations on us. But it's like we heard this young man say this afternoon. What you call free will end up being bondage when you lose your family. Or when they're on the side of the road with a wrecker and because you were drinking and you hit someone and killed them and they were totally innocent with a baby in that car, but you were a drunken driver. Is that what you want freedom for? Do you want to be free so you can live according to the dictates of the flesh? Do you want what, what you, some people call bondage and a spirit of religion? Is Christ trying to save us the heartaches and save us from unnecessary deaths and untimely deaths and, and deaths before it's time and the curse? He wants to save us from the curse. He wants to save us from having to live out the beginning of our Christian years, having to have counseling, having to have deliverance, because we did not live according to the way of purity and holiness. We wanted to live our way. 
After all, I live under grace, but as the Word of God says, grace is, we live under the law of liberty, which is the law of grace, not to sin. And I want you to see here in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. And Israel is a prophetic name of, of the inward man of, of Jacob, the, the spirit man, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. But when his brothers, say his brothers, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him, they loved him. When his brothers saw that they loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. What I want to share with you here is that when you start walking in the favor of the father, you are asking for a fight. When we start paying a price to pray and to fast and live a life of holiness and purity, sold out for God. When we start living in an area that we know pleases God and causes the hand of God to be upon us, some people are going to be frustrated. Some people are going to hate us. Some people are going to be mad at us. Some people are say, oh, you, you, you are just a bunch of prideful people because y'all don't do this and y'all don't do that. But the thing about it is, is that we want to gain the favor of the Father. Because if you have the favor of the Father, it doesn't matter if you're in prison. It doesn't matter if you're in Potiphar's house. It doesn't matter if you're in the pit. This may not be the place I would choose. But as long as I have the presence of God, I don't care what the place looks like around me. I've got to have the presence of God on me. And when it comes to the point where you gain the favor of God, because it talks about us seeking the Lord in spirit and in truth. And it speaks about those who have clean hands and a pure heart. They shall see God. Oh, there's going to be a lot of brothers. There's going to be a lot of sisters who are going to rise up against you. Martin Luther said, as he was talking about Martin Luther King said, 40 years ago as we were there, I have a dream. Well, it says here in the same chapter later on, when they threw him in the pit, they said, now what will become of his dream? How many of you know that dream killed him? When we have a dream to walk in holiness with God our Father, it is going to cost us. And just like Joseph will be, was spoken about, hated, spoken not peaceably to, I can expect and you can expect There'll be those who rise up as they always have been. Who will say, you always overdo it or you get on this bandwagon and when are you going to get off of this one and we'll wait for the next one. The thing about it is the message of purity never goes out. It's a message that is at the very heart of God. And when it says that he dreamed, he, he goes on to say verse 5, Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. I don't want to hear about purity anymore. Don't preach to me about what to do, what not to do anymore. They hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear the dream which I have dreamed. Please listen to the message from the heart of the Father. And there we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood and you know the dream. And it goes on to say in verse 8, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. For his dreams and his words. Say that with me. And his dreams and his words. There are people who are going to despise when you say, that's a sin and that will send you to hell. 
It's time to pray and fast and break it. Break that bondage in the name of Jesus. Get in church. Do carpet time. Get on your face and cry out to God to give you strength to fight. The spirit of uncleanliness. The spirit of faithlessness. The spirit of compromise. It's a battle. It's a fight. But that's what pleases God. Holiness is what pleases God. Not criticizing, not gossiping, not backbiting. Not only the big sins, but even the little sins. Those things displease Him. And he says, That's not, I don't have dominion there because they don't, they don't respect my presence. They don't respect my order. You start, you start dreaming a dream like that, they'll hate you. Verse 10 says, So he told his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to earth before you? And his brothers envied him, and his father kept the matter in his mind. And it goes on to say, verse 19, Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. How many know not everybody is going to agree with the word that we preach, but if you're taking notes and we pray about the spirit of faithlessness, I didn't have time to do a big study on it, but the one, time, the one definition I did look up, faithlessness speaks, this is what faithlessness means, not believing the Gospels of Christ. Not believing the Gospels of Christ. Picking what I choose to believe and what I choose not to believe. Faithlessness. Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation, you cannot cast out the spirit of impurity or the spirit of uncleanliness because of faithlessness. When we start dreaming about this, we start walking in the Father's favor because, listen, if we walk in purity and holiness, people are going to see the presence of God and they're going to recognize the favor and the blessing of God upon our lives. But many people are going to hate you because Jesus says, as it hated me, so shall it hate you. We've got to be ready, church. We've got to be ready at these end times. As it hated the Lord, it will hate us. Now, I want you to see, faithlessness means it's not even worthy of confidence. And we've got to feed upon the Word of God till we conquer the faithlessness that may be trying to attack our minds and our hearts. It may be in this area of waiting that we've been talking about. Because I've been waiting for the Lord to heal me or touch me. The confidence as you're waiting is a hard time to keep the confidence. When it seems like God is not answering. And what I was going to speak on tonight was the goat of the wilderness. It's a place of loneliness. It's a place not familiar. And the signposts in the wilderness are signposts we've never seen before. And when you start getting along with God. And God starts working and going to those deep parts of our heart. It's, it's an unfamiliar, unrestful, unpeaceful place. But it's a place where God wants to deal with with those things hidden within our heart. David said, search me and know me, try me. If there be any, any wicked way in me, lead me to the way everlasting. And so we've got to see that when we start seeking for truth and loving truth, the word faithlessness also means to be untrustworthy. He's saying, I can't trust you with a higher degree until you show yourself trustworthy or that we trust the Word or the Lord. It's a, it's, it's a, listen to this. The word Faithlessness means it's a sense. It's a lie. 
that what I hear is too good to be true. They brought this young boy to the disciples. They cast out this devil. Oh, we can't cast. They tried. You see, I knew it. It's too good to be true. I can't live free of addiction. I can't live free from this hate. I can't live free from this resentment. And it's eating you and it's destroying your spirit man and your inner man that Christ wants to mature on the inside of us. And so this faithlessness means, it means uh, the sense that it's too good to be true. A one who disbelieves the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you the small definition of a perverse spirit. A perverse spirit means bent or crooked. It means to distort or to twist. To turn upside down. So how many of you know we've got to come, first of all, against the faithlessness, the spirit of faithlessness, the lack of faith and confidence, but we've got to come against this perverse spirit of, of distorting and twisting the truth. And I want to give you, a, I want to show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 32. In Deuteronomy chapter 32. We want to create an atmosphere for the glory of the Lord. We want to create an atmosphere where God can come and inhabit. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Lord says in verse 1 in the Song of Moses, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as rain, and my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. Verse 3, For I proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness to our God. He is our rock and His work is perfect. For all of His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice or iniquity. A righteous and upright is He. They have corrupted themselves. They are not His children. Because of their blemish. Listen to this, verse 5. A perverse and a crooked generation a perverse and a crooked generation do you thus deal with the lord O foolish and unwise people is he not your father who bought you has he not made you and established you from the very beginning of time god has been saying this is a crooked and a perverse generation and just like they died in their faithlessness and their spirit of perversion the enemy would love to see the church die in that. But how many of you know we are receiving this revelation because we are not going to be among those that perish, but we are going to be among the living. Let the dead bury the dead, but let the living live in the glory of Christ Jesus and in the power of His resurrection. Look with me in Job chapter 6. Perverse and crooked generation. Job chapter 6, verse 29. And you know, some, some people may say, well, how do we know you? We, how do we know you don't twist the word, preacher? Well, let me challenge you with this. Why don't you bring your Bible, Christian? Why don't you bring your Bible? I can't get over on Sunday mornings. It seems like everybody's going to Walmart instead of church by how few bring their Bibles. It says that he will drop his teaching as rain. Have you seen how it rains out there? That's how we need the teaching and that's how we need the scriptures and that's how we need the word of the Lord. We're called to be an army. We're called to be disciples of Christ Jesus. This, this is not a building for comfort. This is a building of a gathering. 
for the holiness and the preciousness of of the Lord. And it's like Brother Jake said, when that sergeant stood up and he says, it is now the time for the changing of the guard, and you will stand in reverence, and you will remain silent, and you will not make any noise, and you will not move around. Well, we'll put up a sign, please turn your cell phones off, and they're going off during the altar call this morning and and, and all this other stuff. Uh, It's very clear cell phones are supposed to be turned off because we're in the house of God. This is not century. This is not century tale. This is the house of God. This is not a place where we have we have to talk, while the man of God is speaking. That that guard had a bayonet on his rifle, and the sergeant had a loaded pistol. And it's time to obey and be in one accord because we're going to honor the lives of these unknown soldiers whose mother never knew if her child made it or not. And you know, I I wanted to get a coffee shop and and, and I still wouldn't mind having one in the church and everything, but you know what? You know, how far do we go before we look like the Shrine Circus instead of the Church of Jesus Christ? How far do we go that the coffee's hot and fresh, but I don't carry my Bible to church to see if the word's being distorted. Because you have the right as a believer to judge everything I say. But you will be called on the carpet for not having the word to judge if I'm reading out of the scriptures. We have the freedom to have this precious word of God. And we've got to be faithful to it. I tell you, when that guard changed, he better not even think. Of, oh, I forgot my rifle. I'd hate to be in his shoes. But we come to church, where's your Bible? Oh, I'll look on with somebody else. You know, God may want to tell you during the the message when the anointing's here, He may want to tell you, why don't you look at such and such a scripture? Well, God, don't you see? I don't have my Bible. That's what I'm getting at. You always talk about I don't speak to you. And when I speak to you, you're not prepared. Hello? Wake up, church. Amen. Now, I want you to see what it says in Job chapter 6. If you're ashamed of carrying a big Bible, carry a pocket size. And then watch out for lightning. Job 6.29. Listen to this. Listen to what the Lord... Yield now. Yield. Stop fighting. Yield. Let there be no injustice. No crookedness. Yes, concede my righteousness still stands. Is there injustice on my tongue? Cannot my taste discern the unsavory or the calamity or the indifference and the wrong? You know how we talk about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, do you know what? He, he, He wants to taste of you too. He wants to taste. We always talk about us tasting, but He wants to taste. And that's why He says, how you know He wants to taste? Because He says, if it's lukewarm, I've got to spit it out. He wants to taste. And He says, when I sense crookedness, when I sense error, when I sense evil, I, I just cannot accept it. Now look at Philippians chapter 2. I bet you're saying, that's a long journal and that's a long message. I didn't know it was this long. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but as much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without complaining. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless. Harmless children of God without fault. We're in heaven. Blameless and without fault in heaven. No, look what it says. In the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. Now, you know what got me? He's saying, I want my church, I want my believers to be blameless and without fault in a crooked and a perverse generation. But we just read that he rebuked his own disciples for being perverse. And the thing that that, that we will not have in the name of Jesus, and by the grace and the mercy of God, is a rebuke from the Holy Spirit saying, you are a perverse church. You are a perverse generation. I hear one thing from your mouth, but it's not from your heart. He says, you are blameless and perfect, not in heaven, but it says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Wow. We bind that faithless, perverse spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. We take authority over the spirit of perversion that would distort our minds and our hearts from fully following the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, the main thing that needed to be taken care of, and this is what I feel we are attacking, is an unclean spirit. Now, unclean spirit is not a spirit of perversion. I looked it up, and it's number 169 in the Strong's. And I didn't have time to look it up in all the other stuff. But it says, unclean spirit is heathen impurity and pollution. But what got me, what got me about that unclean spirit, listen to this. What got me about the definition of the unclean spirit is the word for fallen angel. The demonic. And demons were manifesting at that time. And it says, because of being a faithless and a perverse generation, the demonic is in full manifestation and not the glory of God. When we give in to this faithless spirit, when we give in to this uncleanliness spirit, it says that the same lie that tricked the devils and caused the angels of heaven, I'm sorry, the angels of heaven to be perverted, twisted, and a third of the angels fall with Lucifer, is that unclean spirit. When I saw there that definition in the Strong's that said, the like spirit of the fallen angels, but listen to what it says, the like spirit of the fallen angels who fell from their purity. Who fell from their purity. And I believe we are going to have a revival. And I believe we're going to have a revival of the vision of purity and holiness. 
that what the angels saw and what the angels were and what the angels had, what Satan was and what Satan had, he lost. And we gained that opportunity and that blessing to be around the throne room of God. I believe he's calling us to this life of purity because anything that has to do with the devil, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And if this spirit of purity speaks of having the same spirit of a demon, we have the spirit of Christ. And so we have to come against the spirit of impurity in this area. I'm not judging the church. I'm not judging the sheep or the people. I'm not doing that. Don't you go around either. Don't you go around and start saying, well, I know so-and-so's living in sin. I know so-and-so's doing that. No, you do not speak against no one. Don't speak against no one. Love everyone. But come against without anybody on your mind. Lay it all at the feet of Jesus. And let's come against the spirit of unfaithfulness. Let's come against the spirit of impurity. And let's come against the unclean spirit. That it be broken off of our land. That it be broken off of our facilities. That it be broken off of the homes. That it be broken off of the lives. That it be broken off of the worship. Or off of the word. Or the preacher. Or any area. That the spirit of uncleanliness be broken. In the name of Jesus. Over this body. And over your body. In this area. That we push back the darkness and the same identification with the fallen angels we come against the, the failure and the falling from purity and living a life of holiness so that we can live pure and holy so that we can see God that we can see God and that our light not only shines through the world, but the demonic hordes and the demonic forces and the sickness and disease that is trying to contaminate the world will see the light of the glory of the gospel of truth within the children of God. And that when we say go, they must go. And we, we command them to even go to the dark places. They must go to the desert places. They must go because there are a people who are walking in zinc and in unity with you, Holy Spirit. With authority, power, and might over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. Because I give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Shekinah glory of God. The fire that burnt over the mercy seat of the covenant is the Shekinah glory of God. And how we desire, Father, that that same Shekinah glory burn over this church and this auditorium. That, Lord, together we can cast down. We can cast down that unclean spirit through faith and through purity. Through faith and through purity. Holiness. We can cast down that unclean spirit. Lord, if this is, and we know that this is a commission for us to fast and pray for. Lord, we take this commission. We take this job and I pray for the intercessors and even those who are not here. For all prayer warriors. To get a revelation of what you spoke to me this morning. Lord, that Lord, you're speaking to us. The need to pull down the unclean spirit. So that the people will marvel and stand in amazement of the glory of God Most High. Lord, we desire the people to brag about you. Boast about you. Speak of your greatness, your glory, and your power. So, Father, we pray. Once again, Spirit of the Lord. 
come within our lives. Come within our lives and chase out everything that does not please you. Burn up the chaff, the wood, the hay, and the stubble. So that which is left and remains is an altar prepared for you and for your use. Oh, Father, purge our lips and our tongue, our mouth, our ears and our eyes, our heart. We can stand blameless before you in Jesus' name. Let's just dim the lights. Would you just put worship on real soft, real soft. And if there's anything the church we need to do as the body of Christ today is, we have to repent. We have to repent. We have to make sure our hearts are right with God. So we examine, we examine, you and I examine our hearts of any area of unfaithfulness. Any area that, that is not pure before God, impure to any area of an unclean spirit. And you can do it right there at your seat. You can come to the altars. You can kneel. You can lay.